Hello, and welcome once again to The Near Futurist. I'm Guy Clapperton, and this show covers both the business and consumer worlds. And also, as always, I'll welcome feedback and input on the LinkedIn page. Just search for Guy Clapperton and Near Futurist, and you'll find us. Before I introduce this month's guest, here's a word from my sponsor. Well, I say a sponsor. Uh, It's mostly me advertising my media training operation. But here it is. Do you want to sound as confident as my interviewee in this episode? If you talk to the press or other media, are you worried you'll be misquoted, or they'll just publish their story and not yours? Clapperton Media Associates can help with coaching. Drop me a note, guy at clapperton.co.uk, and we'll arrange a time for an exploratory call. Now, back to the podcast. And if you're still with us after that, thank you very much. Now, we all buy stuff. Just stop me if I'm going too quickly for you. We make our purchases and slowly but surely, we're finding only a minority of us will use anything as ordinary as cash to do so. I say ordinary. Card or phone appears much more ordinary than cash just at the moment. So things are changing and will continue to change. And we could do with a heads up on just how. That said, I haven't got the head of Sainsbury's or Amazon or something in here. I've got one of the people who are really going to make things happen. He's part of a company that provides not only the front end, but under the bonnet systems that are really going to make the difference to what's possible and what isn't. His employer is International Technology Service Organization, BJSS, and his name is Charlie Hope. Charlie, welcome. Thank you, Guy. So, Charlie, let's start with the basics. What does BJSS actually do? I understand you personally are the retail principal, but it's a larger concern. Yes, that's correct. So BGSS are essentially the largest privately owned technology consultancy firm across the UK. Now, fundamentally, our role is to work alongside the retailers to help guide them through technology, data and experience evolutions that help their businesses adapt to the modern world. Now, we all remember how it used to be, queuing at the supermarket, fiddling with the small change. And now we've at least eliminated the small change in most cases. But what goes into changing the infrastructure so that, for example, you can have extensive serve-yourself checkouts? I think the thing that most customers don't really see is what's under the surface, right? So if we think of how the store format has changed over the the last years, we're we're all sort of got used to the self-checkouts. But now you're seeing the emergence of just walkout technology as an example from, from Amazon and others. Now, there's a few different changes that the retailers have to consider. Now, number one, what do you need to change from a physical perspective, right? So when implementing new technology in store, if we take the Amazon Go model as an example, that's quite a heavy physical investment, right? So it's investing in the cameras, it's investing in these sensors on the end of um, end of aisles and end of shelves. But also what's just as important is investing in the staff, because ultimately what you're trying to do is create a new modern experience. And if you don't train your staff in store to help create that experience often customers become more frustrated actually or you know they have a worse experience than than they did in the first place if you take the self-checkouts as an example we're all quite familiar with the unintended item and bagging error frustrations that we have right so when you extrapolate that out to new technology it's very very important to to invest in staff as well now the other side of it is of course the technology change itself so when considering new technology infrastructure and evolutions for a retailer, you have to think about that, how that affects your end-to-end supply chain. So how is this going to plug into my existing technology architecture as an example? What data and insights are captured through the customers that I need to be able to then action across the business? And ultimately, what what, what are the kind of effects on the, the logistics, the supply chain, the returns, and how am I going to 
and make a new piece of technology work for my business, but also provide a better experience for the customer. It's interesting. It also has to link up, doesn't it? I'm just thinking aloud here, but uh, there's a certain online um, shop that I occasionally get groceries from when I'm uh, pressed for time. And uh, I've named no names. When I ask them to chop, chop and hurry up, I might get the item, I might not, because they'll take the order regardless, and then I'll just issue a refund. Others will actually grey out items that are unavailable. Is that is that due to this this whole supply chain thing you're talking about? You know, I think if you bear in mind that over the last several years, there's been a huge proliferation in the demand for for online groceries is, is a great example, right? And you're right, this does cause um, quite a large knock-on effect in terms of product availability and getting it to people at the right time. Now, the other part of this is, you know, the substitution debate. There's the there's always the classic for a retailer. There's the avocado problem. If you've heard of that guy, which is um, if, we've, if we're out of avocados, what do we replace that in the customer's basket with? And there's not always a good answer. So you need to kind of navigate the landscape a bit carefully because you're ultimately trying to fulfill a customer journey, right? And substituting incorrect items or, you know, missing items. Sometimes what you'll find is that, you know, customers won't go for it altogether in the end. And then you've kind of let them down from this new experience. So yeah, there's lots of things to consider, but ultimately it's it's a combination of how do we make the physical products get to the right place at the right time, whilst considering the wider technology ramifications for the business. That makes a lot of sense. I want to share one little story with you, and this is an old one because it's from when the internet really first started and the first few uh, internet groceries uh, were taking place. Uh, my wife and I ordered uh, an order from our local Tesco and uh, put in that we wanted uh, lemon juice. They'd obviously run out of lemon juice, so they sent us lemon-scented washing-up gloves, which I assume we were supposed to squeeze out the vaguely taste of lemons. But that's a long time ago. We're well past that, yeah. I'm sure. Um, but uh, there is always a suspicion, though, that these automated uh, outlets on site, automated checkouts, I should say, are likely to lead to job cuts. What's your position on that? When technology like this evolves, it tends to cause a reshuffle in operating models, right? So if we take the self-checkouts as an example, a traditional retailer, you will, of course, therefore see there being less cashiers in the store as a result. However, what we tend to see is that the, the average overall shop staffing numbers um, do remain fairly consistent. So as new tech arrives, it takes on the roles traditionally being filled by humans. What we see is a, a repurposing of staff almost to fulfill more human-focused tasks. So what this typically manifests as is more people being out on the shop floor, as an example, right? So acting as subject matter experts for a given category. So let's take consumer electronics as a subcategory of retail. Yes, you will have less cashiers in a particular store, but those people are now on the floor discussing TV specifications, really listening to customers, finding out what they want and helping fulfill their journey. And what that does is it heightens the customer experience, which leads to more sales in the long term and happier customers. So we tend to see, and what we want really is technology taking on the, the repetitive task, if you like, whilst humans do what they do best. So ultimately, using people to inspire the customer and create loyalty. So on to Gadget of the Month. And today I'm looking at the Logi Dock, which is a dock from Logitech. The idea is that it's a docking station and speakerphone to save on wiring. And it also acts as a dock. You plug your computer in and then you can plug your monitor in through DisplayPort or HDMI connections. There are a couple of USB-C connections and a USB-A adapter in there to save on some of that spaghetti junction effect you get all over your desk if you have a number of devices. You can also hook up to it through Bluetooth. 
Rather cleverly, it links in with Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and no doubt other systems, so that you can join meetings and turn video and microphone on and off at the touch of a button, and also adjust the volume. Now, the sound controls work only if you're using its inbuilt speaker and microphone, reasonably enough. I'm actually using it to record this little review, which is why you can probably hear a bit of a change in sound quality compared to the rest of the podcast. It's not quite as good as my Blue Snowball microphone, but then it doesn't pretend to be a competitor. This is all about doing a very decent job indeed for conferencing and making those calls simpler to operate whilst doing a bit of decluttering as well. If you just heard this and not the rest, I doubt you'd notice the difference. If that summarizes your needs, great. Expect to pay around £394, including VAT, and have a great deal less stress when staring at all the wires on your desk. Now, back to the podcast. That makes a lot of sense, and I think if I want further chapter and verse on staffing levels, I must, of course, talk to the shops and not to yourself, because that's not going to be your decision uh, at all. I, I should add, by the way, having raised the possibility of job cuts, my local supermarket has signs all over the place assuring people that uh, the uh, automated tills will not result in fewer personnel. It will work out exactly as you've just described it, so we do have those assurances. So if staffing's down to the individual uh, outlets, of course it is, um, what are those outlets asking of companies like PGSS? What do they need to happen under the bonnet? Right now, there are a few, there's a couple of topics really that we're seeing across the board, across most retail categories, actually. Um, number one is what is the role of the physical store in an increasingly digital world? And how do I, as a retailer, drive people back into my physical shop? Because that's where they achieve better margins, actually. So as customers, we've all become very used to online delivery and instant delivery and you know, product information, comparing prices, et cetera. So there's a there's kind of a bit of an existential struggle out there at the moment for those who have a large physical footprint who have not quite yet had the digital experience and the phys- physical experience combined properly. So fundamentally, what that comes down to is if your shop is displaying items on shelves, why would the customer come off of their sofa and off of their smartphone and out the door and pay the money on on petrol or whatever it might be to visit you and purchase in store. So we're talking to a lot of retailers about the what is the value of their brand and how do you attract someone back into the physical world using technology as well for the in-store experience. And really it's kind of evolving around how do the retailers need to evolve as a business in order to align to the needs of the modern customer. So if, you, if you're if you a retailer and you imagine, what will I look like in five years time, right? I'm probably providing new services, new products to new customers in new ways that I, I can't even think of right now. So the way that BGSS and we tend to engage is, okay, so working back from that five-year roadmap, how do you need to evolve around technology? How do you need to evolve around your internal business capability and operating models? And how do you need to evolve around the customer experience in order to be a successful retailer in in five years' time, ultimately? It's interesting that you should use the word evolve because uh, the next question was going to be how you ensure smooth transitions between the existing uh, systems and the newer ones. You've mentioned Amazon with its uh, fresh stores. Of course, they're starting from from scratch, so they can just put the new stuff in right away. But for for example, loads of people have welcomed self-serve uh, checkouts because of the, uh, the time saved. But suddenly I noticed some supermarkets are putting an alternative have a chat here, slow lanes for people who are isolated tends to be the elderly, but not exclusively. Does that throw a company like yours or do you relish the challenge? That's a really badly phrased question. You're bound to say you relish the challenge. Of course we relish the challenge. Um, I what I will say, say, guys, it's there's no blueprint for this, right? Ultimately, it's 
what is the right thing to do for your brand? So for every retailer, even within the same category, think about who is your target demographic? What are their values? Are they, like you say, uh, do they value sort of low cost, quick experiences? Or do you cater to perhaps a more premium feel customer, such as if we take high fashion, let's say, and as such, they would want a slower, more tailored, personalized in-store experience with people often. Now, the reality is, is that, you know, it's going to be somewhere in between for most people. And you're right, we are seeing the, the have a chat here type initiatives, almost perhaps as kind of a rebound from the pandemic, really, where the physical interaction is, is becoming more important. So there's not really any one blueprint as such. It's more about where do I fit in the value chain for my customer? And then how do I change my store, my brand, my feel in order to align to my specific demographics, customer journey? Um, so it's yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great challenge, of course, uh, because it keeps us on our toes and the, the needs of the customer are changing, well, uh, monthly almost at this point. But, you know, that's that's for us to figure out, I suppose. <laughs> Okay, uh, without wanting to, uh, I promise I won't hold you to this or quote it back at you in five years' time, but uh, what do you think we can see, expect to see in terms of retail over the next five years or so? What are you, what, what's in the pipeline at the moment? From a customer perspective, I think that first, they, I would expect there to be much more in the kind of seamless integration of online and in-store shopping. So we're seeing a general trend of more personalized experiences Retailers right now are quite good at segmenting, segmenting rather their uh, customers. So often a lot of retailers will be able to say, this is Charlie and he lives in London. Okay. But what we're, what we're moving towards really is this is Charlie. This is how old he is. He tends to interact with our brand between the hours of eight and 10 AM. We know that that's probably because he's doing the school run or whatever it might be. So therefore, how do we change our offerings and experience to Charlie as an individual in order to meet his needs? Because Two people could come across as the same through a segmentation, but often it's the individual differences that really are where you can delight the customer. So expect much more kind of personalized experiences catered to you as an individual. And obviously, the the you know I'd be remiss without using the words artificial intelligence at some point during this podcast. But that train has kind of left the station, right? So from a customer perspective, actually from a retailer perspective as well, we're already seeing the changes in the way that this type of tech is is. The way that we search and the way that we shop. So more and more uh, over over the course of 2023, we, we've now seen instead of people searching online for a red jacket, let's say, customers are becoming much more accustomed to saying, I am going to a work dinner party, let's say next Thursday. I'd like to see an outfit that has a combination of uh, brown shoes, red jacket and a purple shirt for some flair. I'm not sure. Um, obviously, my fashion sense isn't the one to go after here. So what we're seeing is a change in the way that customers are shopping and therefore the way that retailers need to provide a solution to them. And it's moving away from the kind of, here's my single point and item I'm after, rather to a, here's a, here's a lifestyle or a, a bigger objective that I'm trying to fill. So the way that we interact with the retailer and the way that they interact with us is going to change. And then I suppose the the other thing that I would expect more in the next few years, if not already, is the sustainability challenge. So traditional retailers, uh, we, we know that roughly 75% of, of Gen Z consumers say that sustainability is more important than the brand when they make their purchase decision. So if you think about these are the people who are coming into the height of their purchasing power over the next three to five years, let's say, there's a real change here for a lot of retailers. You're seeing much more circular economy initiatives from those on the high street, 
refills of products, technology recycling, that sort of thing. And the returns challenge also is a huge one right now. If you think about the last three years, like I said, the online shopping has gone through the roof. So us as customers, we've become accustomed to instant delivery. You might see this scale back actually in the short term because the wider sustainability challenge that poses, I think we as customers potentially have a little bit of a journey to go on there to work with the retailers again. I think behaviours have got to change. I think that's a very valid point and probably quite a reasonable place to, uh, to to stop because we're running out of time. So thank you very much indeed for your time there. Finally, where can listeners find out more about yourself and your organisation, PJSS? So if any of the topics I've spoken about today are, are pertinent, I suppose, to your situation as a retailer, primarily, I would say message me on LinkedIn. I can be found at Charles Hope and then BJSS. I would also encourage you to go to bjss.com slash retail to see an overview of our services or, or contact me directly, which is charles.hope at bjss.com. Charlie Hope, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Guy. And thank you for listening. This has been The Near Futurist, a Clapperton Media production, and I have been Guy Clapperton. See you in a month.